Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now a part of the Finding Genius Foundation, a nonprofit that is looking to advance uh, open source science. Today, I have Dr. Arlen Hill. He's a functional medicine doctor with a company called Biotics Research. They make uh, supplements and nutritional products, enzymes for digestion, things like that. I personally take them myself for a number of years. And uh, frankly, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to Biotics is that, you know, when I take a supplement of theirs and it has, let's say, four ingredients, you know, I, I feel the effect. But when I take a supplement that has the same ingredients from other companies, I don't feel the effect. So I'm assuming they're putting really good stuff in there because it's working. That's why I wanted to talk to them. And uh, again, I have Dr. Arlen Hill. So Arlen, thanks for coming. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, if you would tell me, what, what do you do at Biotics and what's, tell me a little bit about the company. Yeah, so uh, my role at Biotics is I'm a clinical consultant for the company. Uh, I work with other healthcare professionals to help them understand how to implement nutrition and functional medicine concepts into their practice. Biotics has, has been an excellent, I guess, umbrella for me to work under predominantly because of the mission of the company and what their long-term goals are, meaning that these are the guys that have the right mindset when it comes to patient care and what they want to support practitioners in the field and help bring to those practitioners so they can better support their patients. Biotics is one of the original professional nutrition companies. Uh, they have been in, uh, around for almost 45 years now. And one of the interesting things that I still to this day, even after my time with Biotics, find interesting is that they didn't actually start out to be a nutrition nutrition company. They were a company, the founders were really more into the laboratory industry. And it's this background of laboratory science that has made the nutrition part of the company what it is now. And just to your points earlier about the, the difference, how you use something from biotics and and you see a result, but maybe you don't necessarily see that same effect when you're using those similar ingredients from another company. That really is a testament to what takes place in the laboratory at Biotics and how that laboratory is utilized to validate to, to the consumer that truly what is on that label is what's in that bottle. Yeah, like, uh, you know, it's not medical advice, but I'm just giving an example like this HCL plus, it helps you know, bolster your stomach acid. And, you know, again, it has pepsin in it and a few other things. And when I take it from biotics, it works. And when I take it from other companies with the exact same stuff, I looked on the label, it doesn't work. And I don't know why. Like, So for consumers, how can they know, unless they know the company, that what's what's on the label and what's in the product are right for them? Like, what are some guidelines? It really does come down to the consumer to do their homework on the company um, one of the things that I would that I always stress to the consumer is when you're doing this homework, the first place you need to start is with the FDA. Uh, a lot of sometimes you'll hear utterings that the nutri nutrition industry is not a there's no governance in the nutrition industry. And, and that's actually not the case. Uh, and that's why we can look to the FDA and start to get some information. And one of the things is things that you can do is actually ask the company for 
their reports from their FDA audits. And companies should be willing to to give that information to you. It doesn't have to be a a perfect report. I don't I don't want to say that that because sometimes these reports can be something just as simple as the FDA didn't like the way someone was documenting. It doesn't mean that they documented it wrong. It just means that the FDA didn't really care for the way that they did it. So you know you you do expect once in a while to see little things like that, but. I, I always go back to if a company is not willing to share those FDA audit sheets with me, that's a huge red flag. And I need to I, I need to take note of that. Uh, one thing I would also suggest that the consumer not take extreme confidence in are things like GMPs, uh, these good manufacturing processes. The GMPs are, as I look at these, these are really a base standard. I mean, this is something that you should at a minimum be doing, but it should not be the top tier of where you strive to be. If that's if that's all you really have to, to lay out as your claim of excellent work, it's not really much of a claim. So the, I, I would say the first step for the consumer is ask for those FDA sheets. Where would you get such FDA sheets? Like would the company have them or where would you look? The company has them. And it's worth noting on this that companies can't actually put that on their website or they can't use that in any type of publication. The FDA doesn't allow for anything like that. And that's where the consumer really has to, to take that, that active role of asking questions. Uh, they can't just go based on what's on a website. You can get some general ideas and some direction there, but I would say you're going to have to pick up the phone or send an email to ask for that information to get that validation. First place we should should start in looking at well, what do you what do you take? What do you need? This comes back down to the supplement industry as a whole. When you look at the supplement industry as a whole, it's very easy for a consumer to become quickly overwhelmed in possible things that they could take. So best place to start here is with a with a partner who is versed, has an understanding of biochemistry and can do some form of evaluation on the consumer to really give them direction on what they need. It really is just another branch of healthcare that we're talking about here. And we don't, I don't like the idea of guessing. I think that we should use some type of clinical insight to give direction to the recommendations or to the actions that we're going to take when it comes to our health. Um, we should, when at all possible, have some type of objective means to be able to, per, to provide that information to give us the direction. Uh, and, and I say that, I'll give you an example on this. When we look at energy and fatigue, I mean, that's a very common complaint that individuals have. It's probably one of the more common complaints that presents to practitioners. There's any number of causes for this. We could be talking about B vitamin deficiencies. We could be talking about a coenzyme Q10 deficiency. This could be a hormonal issue, maybe of a testosterone or cortisol nature. We could be talking about thyroid hormones. This could be a byproduct of chronic inflammation. There could be a gastrointestinal component to this. You can see as I, just as I make some of these suggestions here that there's a long list of possibilities, but we really need to be able to narrow that list of possibilities down to what the underlying cause is and then also what the need would be to address that cause. Okay. There, there's a little bit of an, I guess maybe the adage that if you take nutrition, nutrition's not going to hurt you. And in general, that is true. But we also have something that's known as a, and I'll just speak for nutrients for a moment here when we talk nutrition. We have this idea of a nutrient-nutrient interaction. And what that simply means is that we can use certain nutrients in excess at the risk of causing deficiencies in other nutrients. So while we may take a high amount of one nutrient thinking that we're doing something good on one hand, we may actually be causing some concerns on the other side 
because of possible nutrient nutrient interactions. Best to best to be able to avoid those when at all possible. Examples. Yeah, I didn't know such a thing was possible. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of couple of examples on this. One of the more common ones is uh, B12 and folate. Obviously, B12 is a very common nutrient. A lot of people like to take that for energy. Increased utilization of B12 will actually, over time, induce a deficiency in folate. And the, and the opposite is true as well. Folate deficiencies will induce deficiencies in B12. And the consequence of that is that, among other things, we can run into situations of anemias can be a byproduct of that. We can see an increase in inflammation, inflammation associated with cardiovascular disease. Uh, some individuals may be more prone to depression with those types of deficiencies onset. So that's one example. Another example would be vitamin E and selenium. Zinc, vitamin A would be another example. Uh, zinc, folate, another example there. So these, there's several of these that can happen. I guess if you lack a certain nutrient, it can cause an ancillary, I guess, lack of another nutrient. But what if you over-supplement with one nutrient, will that cause detriment or a declination of another nutrient? Can that happen as well? It, it can. We actually have a name that we apply to that. It's called a nutrient-nutrient interaction. And, you know, a lot of times when we talk nutrition, there's the mindset that if I take a little bit, it's good. If I take a little more, there's not going to be a problem with it. Nutrition is overall safe. And in general, it is. However, when we start looking at these interactions, they can have some long-term consequences. And I'll give you a few examples on these that actually we do see in clinical practice. Uh, many individuals will take B12 for fatigue or for other issues. And when you take B12, you always have to give consideration to the impact that that's going to have on folate. And when we take that B12 and we're not factoring in the effects on folate, you ultimately can end up with a deficiency in the folate. And the same is true the other way as well, that if someone excessively supplements folate, that individual may end up inducing a B12 deficiency. And there are some real-world consequences as a byproduct of this. For example, you can see things such as anemias manifest from this. Uh, it's possible to see an increase in inflammation associated with cardiovascular disease. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700-plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Uh, some individuals may have mood disorders that can be linked to, to that B12 folate imbalance. So again, there are real world consequences here. And just so as not to miss represent this nutrient-nutrient interaction, there are several of these possible nutrient-nutrient interactions. I'll just give you a couple of other possibilities here. So for example, we can see interactions between zinc and copper, calcium, magnesium, uh, vitamin A and zinc, selenium, vitamin E. There, there's several of these interactions that, that can take place. And we just need to know that that possibility does exist and that there are some real consequences to that. How do you go about crafting a supplementation plan? Like I would think the way most people do it is they may get 
Well, I guess they would guess a lot of people, but some people may go as far as to have blood markers done. But even if you do that and you see that you're low in, uh, you know, B12, you think, okay, I get a supplement with B12. I don't need to supplement with anything else. So that could lead, I guess, to a problem. So what, what is the right protocol? Do you look at biomarkers, supplement, look at them again a month later, supplements, like you do this feedback mechanism or what do you do? Yeah, and I don't think that there's necessarily one right answer to your question. I think there are a couple of possible answers, and let's explore just a few of those. You mentioned the biomarkers. That probably is one of the better ways to do this, but it's by no means perfect. But it depends on what type of biomarker we're looking at. So, for example, if we're looking at, say, standard blood tests, we may come back and look at those types of reports in three to four months and expect to see significant change there. And some of the other types of testing where we're looking from more of a functional perspective and maybe we're actually looking at living tissue in those scenarios we may not circle back around to reordering those tests until say somewhere in the time frame of four to six months a little bit longer time frame there the idea would be that once we have that information and we put a protocol together we come back we do a reassessment if we can identify at the point of reassessment that there has been the change that we were seeking, then we can move from more of a therapeutic model, maybe using higher dosages in single and single nutrient types of applications, move from there to a mindset of maintenance where now we're starting to look at combining nutrients together and trying to supplement from that more balanced perspective of where maybe we now are compensating and, and looking for the balance between B12 and folate or vitamin A and zinc, many of these other reactions or interactions we were alluding to earlier. The other way that this can be done is to utilize indications from the body. We The body will give us feedback when it has needs for things. So for example, if we see white spots on our fingernails, uh, that's something known as leukonychia. It is actually an indication of a zinc deficiency. For example, another would be dry elbows, and that would be an indication that someone could have an essential fatty acid deficiency, what many individuals think about as fish oils. So the body does provide feedback for us. Uh, we could see an example, maybe just to go a different route with you, where someone is having sensitivity to lights at night. That can be an early indication for a need for vitamin A. So there, there are multiple ways to get that information to give us some direction without having the need to guess. Okay. So again, going back to your work at Biotics, you're a functional medicine doctor. How does that lead into the crafting of the, the enzymes and the supplements and everything? Like, What's your input there and what do you do? Yeah, my input there is predominantly more from when the company is doing internal studies and we're looking to, to take the information that we're getting from these studies and use that to refine and build programs and protocols that practitioners can take back to their patients and implement with confidence. I have a role there. The other role that I have internally is at an educational level, performing webinars and presentations uh, to other staff members within the company, as well as to physicians and practitioners outside of the company. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Just trying to help them understand particular topics. I'll, I'll just give you one off the top of my head here. We've You've mentioned a couple of gastrointestinal products, and maybe I'm giving a presentation on 
the application of the different digestive options and when would it be right to use a hydrochloric acid versus a hydrochloric acid and enzyme combination. So just different applications of that nature. Okay. What is ahead for, for biotics? Like where does it need to go? Is it, uh, are you going to make more composite supplements? Like, you know, again, referring back to what you said earlier, this nutrient, nutrient interactions, how does that play into the creating of a, of an enzyme or a digestive product, let's say? If you're going to have four nutrients in there, how do you know what will interact and what won't and what will cause people problems? It's an interesting question because it it really is probably best answered by sharing with you the number of products, the number of different products that Biotics offers, which is somewhere in the realm of around 300. It's actually over 300. And it may seem counterintuitive to have that many different products, but the reason there's that many different products is because everybody's an individual. You need to be able to tailor those recommendations to certain individuals. And for example, there's a time and a place when we would want to just supplement vitamin D. We hear a lot about vitamin D, but it also makes sense too that we, for general maintenance and for a large percentage of the population, we want to combine that vitamin D and K and maybe also at times get vitamin A and E in there so we have the full spectrum of the fat-soluble nutrients. As far as where Biotics is looking to go with this, it really comes down to clinical need and what the literature evidence is. This is one of the things that I, I certainly respect about Biotics and respect about the other scientific members of the company and even the leadership in that there has to be science, there has to be validation that it makes sense to bring a product into the marketplace. The idea is not that product is going to be introduced just with the idea that this is going to be a good seller for the company. It needs to make a clinical difference and there needs to be patient demand for it. And it needs to have a clinical outcome when that practitioner introduces it to that patient. So I I don't think that you're going to see biotics go down this avenue of having 600 products. But I I do think that it speaks to why there are 300 plus products there is because when it comes to functional medicine and optimizing someone's biochemistry, you really need to be able to zero in what that person's particular needs are. And that means customized supplementation. Do you have a protocol whereby if someone um, I mean, has a condition that they take these three to six biotics products, like do you have families of them that people can take if they have, you know, in consultation with doctor, obviously, but uh, if the doctor, you know, so I guess for clinicians, for doctors, do you have like a family of supplements if they run across a, a particular clinical condition, they can say, all right. Biotics has these four that are good for people with this condition. There's several, several different examples of that throughout the biotics line. I'll just give you a couple on this just to illustrate what we're talking about here. So let's let's say a, a cardiologist is looking to implement a protocol for someone who is post-myocardial infarction, so post-heart attack. Well, one of the things that they would probably immediately look to do would be a product called VasculoCert. And the intention on this is that this is going to improve the integrity of vasculature lining. Uh, It's going to provide some of the key nutrients that are essential for optimal cardiovascular function. For example, coenzyme Q10 being a a big player in this conversation. So that would be a product that they would immediately go to. That could be what what we might label as a foundational product. Right on the heels of that, I would say that putting something in like Resveracert, 
where we're going to have a an anti-inflammatory effect when we introduce that because we know that with cardiovascular disease there is an inflammatory an initial inflammatory insult that is the precursor to a lot of the secondary dysfunction. And then we, as a part of this protocol, maybe have a third product there, I would say the Bio Omega 1000, which is going to be a high dose omega-3 combination EPA, DHA. And the idea there is that we know when it comes to uh, whether it's reducing inflammation or creating stability on placking, that the introduction of those omega-3s, especially in that triglyceride form, like you find in the Bio Omega 1000, is extremely critical to that patient population. So cardiologists, cardiologists can feel very comfortable recommending those three products, knowing that they're going to yield benefit to the patient, even without the necessity to do lab testing, just based off of what that patient's history and what their, what their clinical need is. Again, what's, what's ahead for biotics? What do they see as the next step? Where do they want to take things? Or is it just at this point as a refining and a, a choosing of families of different supplements and enzymes to go together? Like what, what's next in the learning curve for you guys? I think really the next thing in front of biotics right now is, I'll give you two answers to your question. I think one thing in front of them is an understanding that supplements alone aren't the answer for the patient. And that's maybe an interesting comment coming from someone working with a nutrition company and from the nutrition company itself. But you have to understand that people have to make dietary choices. They have to go out and live in a world that is constantly challenging their health and putting imposing new demands upon them. And so as biotics moves forward, the idea is to have programs in place that can meet the needs of the individual, but not, not solely from the standpoint of providing just the supplements that are going to help facilitate the improvement in their health, but also by giving them some dietary direction, by giving them the information that they need, and sometimes just quite honestly giving them the encouragement that, yes, you can do this. So looking at ways to communicate, to help practitioners communicate to the patient, giving them tools and resources that are going to make them more efficient communicators to their patients. That's where biotics is headed. That's that's what's next and that's what's on the horizon. And already, maybe I shouldn't even say on the horizon, that's what's already in motion. But I think you know, when you're looking over the horizon of where we're, where the company is headed, I think the opportunities to help practitioners expand what they offer to their patients and how they deliver information to their patients, which as we all know, when it comes to asking someone to make any type of change, whether it's nutritional, dietary, lifestyle, any of these, no one is going to make these changes without education and understanding of why they need to make these changes. But practitioners are, are human. They're, they're in their workplace and it's not always easy for them to take the time to be able to gather this information to then in turn deliver to their patient base. And so Biotics is in a mindset right now that they can serve their practitioners and ultimately the patients by helping provide that information and giving them the tools and the resources to deliver that information with. Well, very good. Where can people find the Biotics product, uh, products? I know that Amazon has, I don't know about all of them, but it has some, you know, what are the different methods by which people can buy from Biotics and check out what they have? Yeah, the best place to go is bioticsresearch.com. And, and the reason I would steer you there is that you're going to find more information 
information there. So when someone has a question maybe about a product or wants some more insight about the company itself, they can they can gather that information very quickly on the Biotics homepage. Again, just bioticsresearch.com as opposed to maybe going to a third-party outlet. The other thing that I would suggest is if you're looking for someone that can help steer you towards the biotics products, the right biotics product is biotics will certainly help connect you with someone in your area that is a practitioner using biotics research products to make sure that you're confident in what you're what you're going to be doing. Well, Arlen, should we point people to you as well or just to the company? We'll predominantly point them to the company. If someone wants to know more about me, you can go to drarlandhill.com and certainly happy to, to provide some additional uh, insight there, information on functional medicine. If that's what your interest is, by all means, go there. But if you really want to know more about the, the company, bioticsresearch.com is, is where you want to go. Okay. Well, very good. Arlen, thanks for coming on the call. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.